Are you ready for some more XFL? Welcome back to XFL Extra, the podcast brought to you by XFLboard.com. I'm your host, Mark Nelson, and this is our 19th episode. In this episode, we will talk with Anthony Miller, one of our XFLboard.com team reporters for the Dallas Renegades. We will discuss the newly released XFL rules, and while we had Anthony on the line, we got an update on the Dallas Renegades. There are 27 days until XFL kickoff. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome Anthony Miller to the podcast. Anthony is a football fan and one of our XFLboard.com team reporters for the Dallas Renegades. As a former morning sports anchor and former TV news reporter, Anthony has a passion for all things sports. How are you today, Anthony? I'm good. How are you, Mark? I'm just great. Uh, I've been enjoying watching the reports from the training camp in Houston. Oh, yeah. It's been super fun to read up on everything. I can't wait to keep reading up on it as uh, camp goes on. Yeah, it's fun to watch the progress. It's, uh, it's, it's, and it's also interesting. Now, today uh, I brought you here with the podcast specifically, uh, well, first of all, to talk about the XFL rules. Now, we waited some time for these rules, but finally they were released last week. Did you like how the rules were presented to us? Yeah, I, I think a big thing that the the XFL did really well was introducing Dean Blandino as they did and let him kind of, um, you know, speak to fans about what the new rules are and how they're going to work. I think that was re- really critical to have Dean involved in that. I know he was involved with a lot of the rule changes in the alliance as well. So, um, you know, Dean Blandino has done a really great job since he's been with Fox Sports, joining Mike Pereira there and working on rules, um, you know, being a rules expert for Fox. So uh, Dean's got great knowledge. He's had decades of um, you know, refing experience. So that was huge for the XFL to kind of bring him along. I know that, you know, the XFL's had two years to get ready for this and kind of, you know, play the rules out and try to figure out what would work, what seems realistic and what doesn't. And I think having Dean um, involved in that, I'm sure that is good. One, it really helps the credibility of the league. And two, I think it showcases some rules that, you know, people never really thought of before that maybe now the NFL could look at and be like, huh, maybe we can give this a shot if it actually works out for the XFL. So overall, the presentation was really great watching the individual videos on some of the big rule changes they had and being able to present Dean the way that the XFL did was uh, really pivotal for the league to get the rules right. Yeah, you bring up a good point that they presented the rules with Dean Blandino as the face of the XFL. Uh, and the XFL uh, officiating. And would would we be safe to say that Dean Blandino is the uh, the number one expert in football rules uh, right now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I think his name really got big once he joined Fox Sports with Mike Pereira. And I I think arguably you could say him and Mike are probably the two of the, the best experts out there right now being able to um, they, 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 they just, they have a good grasp of what they should, you know, sound like on TV. They're very comfortable. Uh, I think they're able to speak in layman's terms to a lot of the fans, which I think is very important, especially for, uh, going into this new XFL season. There may be some new football fans that may not know the rules as well. Dean was able, I think, to do a really great job of simplifying the rules and not making it so, you know, complex that the NFL has, you know, been a, been in and out about for the last few years as, you know, there's been, you know, discussions about, you know, what's past interference, what isn't, what should be reviewed, what should not be reviewed. So the XFL and Dean uh, Blandino did a great job of simplifying it, making it easy for fans to understand. And that's going to make the, you know, the viewing experience more enjoyable for fans. 
now, have you noticed how proud Oliver Luck seems to be when he s- explains how his league, the XFL, has done so much prior research into these rules? I think so. I mean, uh, when we think about the XFL the first time around, I know we've talked about how, you know, they went too fast. You know, they did it in one year and it just seems like Vince McMahon and, the and you know, all the front office people for the XFL, they just seem to put rules together just to put rules together. And we saw them make, you know, a few rule changes throughout the first season of the XFL. So this time around, you know, they really put an emphasis on we're going to take two years to get this right. We're going to do the research to not only give fans what they want to see and simplify the rules for them, but also to protect the football players as well. I mean, a lot of these rules, you know, you look at the special teams, that was crazy critical for them to set it up the way they did with how kickoffs are and how, you know, being able to protect, you know, players that are running down the field, you know, at full speed, 40, 50 yards before colliding with another player. So I I think it was important for both aspects on the fan experience and then also for the player experience as well. So the XFL really knocked out of the park with that. Yeah, they've done a good job. Now let's talk about some of these rules and you've already alluded to the first one I want to talk about, about the kickoffs. The kickoffs will be done from the 25-yard line, but both teams will be lined up opposite of each other and not able to move until the kick returner receives the ball. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think that's, you know, that's been a big thing with the NFL the last few years, the last five, ten years, really, for the NFL and college football, how they've had some really serious injuries with players, including the the Rutgers player that ended up being um, paralyzed from being injured on a special teams play. So I think the XFL did a really good job of just being able to figure out how can we kick, how can we make, you know, the kickoffs an important aspect of the game, but at the same time protecting the players. Cause as we saw from the NFL this season, and really for the last couple of years, the, the kickoff and the pump returns have really just been almost non-essential plays. Like they just, they haven't seemed to make any impact and it's not a very exciting part of the game. But the XFL has been able to do a great job of setting up the rules so that, you know, the players, you know, the kick returners have to return the kicks and make that play very critical for the game. Because that really sets the tone for how that the next offensive possession is for, you know, gaining momentum and having field position. And but at the same time, you know, it's all about protecting the players. And the XFL has done a great job of bringing in those medical experts to, you know, check on anything from head injuries and concussions. And I think this rule change will absolutely be able to protect those players that are running down the field and maybe not having as many hard collisions as they would in the NFL or college football. You know, it's going to be fun to see the first XFL games um, the week after the Super Bowl. And it might even be fun to hear about how uh, NFL fans receive that kickoff because they're going to look at it and say, what is going on? And then they're going to realize that this may be a far more exciting way to present a kickoff. And I believe that the XFL may have hit uh, a home run with this one. Uh, We'll have to wait and see how it's received, though, from fans. Now, you mentioned the punts. The punts that go out of bounds inside the 35-yard line or into the opponent's end zone are considered a major touchback, and then the ball is placed on the 35-yard line. Uh, What do you think of that one? I think that's an interesting one because it's more strategy than anything with this rule because – I, I think, in my opinion, if offenses are, you know, cross midfield and head into the opponent's territory, 
I think that almost kind of eliminates the punt as an option. It, I think it forces teams to really think, all right, if we're if we got a fourth down at like the at the opponent's 45, 40 yard line, is it really worth it to punt the ball or is it just we might as well just go for it on fourth down? Because if you don't get it, well, then that's only an extra five, 10 yards that they hit you know, the opposing offense is going to get. So there's there's a lot of good strategy that goes involved with this punt. But, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how offenses are going to deal with that. Because I think, like I said, I think once you cross midfield, I think it almost eliminates the punt. So I think there are going to be less punts in this league. And I, I think it's going to be more about, all right, we just got to go for it and try to, you know, get into field goal position. So the XFL is deliberately changing the face of fourth down in this league. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's definitely what it is because, you know, it has it more importance to that fourth down conversion, especially if you cross midfield, because if you punt, you know, when you cross when you've already crossed midfield and you go ahead and decide to punt, it's not really going to make a difference unless your special teams is able to keep that returner inside the 35 yard line. Otherwise, I, I think if you're an offensive coach and you cross midfield and you got a fourth down at like the, the 40, 45 yard line, might as well just go for it at that point and just try to, you know, pick up that first down. Otherwise, you know, you're only going to give up a few yards of uh, field positioning. Exactly. You know, again, that's going to change the face of the game. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is the converts. And of course, there will be no converts or kicking kicked converts, of course. And the XFL is going with one, two and three point after touchdown options from the uh, two yard line, three yard line and five yard line. Is that right? I think it's two yard line, five yard line and 10 yard line. OK, great. Thanks. So a touchdown could be worth nine points now. Yeah. And that's that's going to be that's going to be really exciting for their, for uh, when teams score touchdowns, because I think it eliminates the fact that a two possession game now is essentially 10 points or more, because if you're down by nine, you could still score that touchdown and go for that three point conversion and then, you know, tie the game that way. So th- that's going to be a fascinating and very interesting role to see how that works. It'll be interesting to see how many teams actually go for that three point conversion at the 10 yard line. I, I feel like most will probably do it from the one you know, from for one or two points from the two and five yard line. But at the end of the game, when you're down by eight, nine points, that uh, three point conversion is going to be huge. Yeah. So there'll be more options to catch up. And I'm wondering with those point options, whether we will actually see more ties, uh, regular time ties in the in the XFL. I'm wondering if that's going to happen. We'll, we'll wait and see on that. Now, the next one is something that's controversial. But I don't know how controversial it's really going to be because it's the double forward pass behind a line of scrimmage. Yeah. And if I have to give my honest opinion, I think it's it's the one rule where I really think about that. I don't think it's going to impact the game as much as people think, because I just don't know if XFL coaches are going to take advantage of this as much. But I think it is going to make it interesting for offensive coaches, maybe designing a play that involves the double forward pass. But I just don't see many of the coaches taking a chance and trying it out. Um, it may be for, you know, we're going to see a lot more maybe in training camp just to feel it out and see how it works. But I think when we get into the regular season, uh, I don't know how much of it we're going to see. But I think once it does happen and we see the impact of it, then people may be like, OK, this rule is pretty cool. And we're, we're seeing something completely different. So I like it. It's innovative. It's very different. But I don't know how much it's going to be utilized in a football game. So that will be interesting to see if it's implemented into anyone's, you know, offensive strategies for the game. 
Yeah, we'll have to wait and see which coaches actually incorporate some of these plays into their playbook. And uh, these plays are obviously going to be seen as, uh, you know, special plays or trick plays, if you want to put it that way. Those are always fun to watch, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I can see teams like I think the Dallas Renegades and the L.A. Wildcats, they, you know, they have offensive coaching staffs that are more prone to you know, being more innovative and trying different things. So I can definitely see those two teams probably take advantage of this role. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. It'll be fun to watch that one again. I alluded to the fact there might be more overtimes in XFL. I think in, a, in an article that that was written for XFL board by Mike Mitchell, he talked about overtime rules and he actually gave stats on the chances of an overtime occurring in the XFL were actually quite slim. You know, of course, then last weekend in the NFL wildcard, wasn't there wasn't there two overtimes in that weekend? Yes, I think there was. Yeah, there was two overtime games. So you never know when an overtime is going to come up, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, so absolutely. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, absolutely, I agree with you on that. So, Yeah, you never know. So the XFL overtime is something that is also going to be interesting to watch. It'll be a five-round shootout from the five-yard line. Now, I'm a fan of hockey, and I like the shootout. Now the XFL football is going to have a shootout. I think it's going to be cool. Yeah, I'll be honest. I absolutely hate ties. I, I think ties are bad. I, I, I think how the NFL has their overtime rules, I'm, I'm not – you know, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, you know, I, I think college football is on the right track with how they do it. But I do feel like their overtimes could tend to be very long as well, because uh, I think it was just a few years ago we saw the um, LSU-Texas A&M game go into seven, eight overtimes. And you know, those fans didn't leave the stadium till midnight, one o'clock in the morning because that game just went for like four or five hours. So I think this overtime rule really helps with eliminating how long of a game that will go over. So I think most overtimes you'll probably see go five, 10 minutes at the most, just because it's so quick and you got one play score points, and then you move on to the next offensive possession. So I actually think this is the solution to the overtime rule issues. I think the XFL got it right. And I think the NFL needs to absolutely consider that since their games are already taking three to three and a half hours to finish and it's slowing down the game, this overtime rule will essentially help move the game faster and get through overtime and be done. So we're looking for a faster overtime attacked on to the end of a, of a faster game. Another reason why the game will be faster, because we're going to talk about some rules that are making the game faster. This next one is a big one in my mind, especially after watching NFL playoffs last weekend. No coaches challenges in the XFL. And all plays will be subject to review from a replay official who will be stationed in a booth, a special booth above the field. But no coaches challenges. So reviews will happen very quickly in the XFL. Yeah, that one's going to be interesting. I, I don't know how coaches are going to feel about that as you're, you're taking the option out of their hand. But at the same time, how many times have we as fans watch a game and be like, that, that play's got to be reviewed. It's got to be reviewed. So I, I think it, at the same time, it's going to be a good thing to have all those plays reviewed so that, you know, I think for officials, you know, a lot of times, especially this season, the NFL, we have seen a lot of missed calls from officials. And it has been a very frustrating experience. I'll even say as a Philadelphia Eagles fan myself, they I feel like they missed a big call last week where uh, Javion Clowney hit Carson Wentz in the head and they didn't penalize him for it. So th there's numerous times where we see missed calls from referees and hopefully this will eliminate that and kind of help those on-field referees out by uh, having those plays reviewed. 
So it remains to be seen how effective this replay official is going to be at calling a fair game. Yeah, I, I, but, you know, they, the, the XFL is doing a great job of adding more officials to the game so that there'll be less human mistakes. I mean, obviously, there's a human element of football, and there's always going to be mistakes here and there. But the amount of mistakes that have been made by NFL officials in the last few years has been, uh, it, you know, it has seen them under the radar and, you know, subject to a lot of criticism from fans and from football viewers in general. So hopefully – the XFL can look at this, go through this season and see how many mistakes were actually made. And maybe this will get the NFL to start thinking, well, maybe we should follow the XFL's, you know, rules on this and maybe do the same thing. Your thought is that the XFL can at least improve on what the NFL is currently doing. Yeah, I think so, especially for officials. Uh, it's just it's it's a frustrating experience to be a fan these days of the of the NFL just because of all the missed calls that are made. So hopefully maybe the XFL can take that first step in maybe fixing that issue and maybe the NFL can add more to it. So this might end up being a collaborative thing without it actually being a collaborative uh, experience for both leagues to try to figure out how can we help these officials out and how can we make this a more enjoyable experience for our fans so they're not as frustrated with the rules. Well, maybe this is a case of the XFL actually innovating this part of football and the, and the NFL may, may see the light and make some changes on their end as well. The next rule is another one that's contentious in the NFL, but the XFL just seems to say, well, we're just going to have one foot inbounds on catches, which makes catches way easier to uh, officiate, like whether it's a, a good catch or not, doesn't it? Absolutely. No, I agree with you 100%. I think that's why they implemented that rule. Because, again, you're making the life of an official a lot easier by just telling them, hey, all they need is one foot and bounce and complete possession of the ball. And then it's going to be a completion. So I absolutely agree with you. That's that's you know, the, that's got to be the number one reason to have this rule. And that's why it works so well in college football, because they have the same rule where you only need one foot and bounce. So it really takes away from any official making the mistake because it's a lot easier to figure out if they have one foot inbounds or two feet inbounds. So I love the rule change. I've always been about the one foot inbounds because I think it makes life easier. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be easier to officiate that. Uh, the next few rule changes have to do with the timing of the of the game. Uh, the XFL has announced they will have a an extra official called the ball spotting official who will be solely responsible for quickly spotting the ball and getting the ball on the spot after each play to speed up the game. Yeah, I love that rule. Say that, And this is just another way to add that extra official in there so it makes life easier, moves the game faster. Because, you know, I, I know from – I can say from personal experience, my wife always thinks that football games go super slow just because they're always three to three and a half hours long. And she's like, why does it take so long for each play to happen? This will help make the game a lot faster, quicker, and make offenses, you know, just keep going. Exactly. And the next rule is, is another one that will make your wife happy, uh, a 25-second play clock. I love that, too, because I think it, it will make watching the offenses a lot more exciting as well because it essentially eliminates the fact that I, I don't know how many offenses there are actually going to have time to, you know, get in the huddle and make that call. It's going to force the offensive play callers to be like, all right, we already need to know what are the you know, next two, three plays we're going to call. Get everyone lined up right away and make that call right away. So I think it add, that also adds a little strategy to the coaches as well and you know, makes them think and you know, work a little harder on, all right, how, you know, what plays are we going to run? Let's get our offense lined up right away and let's call it. You know. So really, the coaches may have 
what, five, 10 seconds to really make that call and then get everyone lined up with 10, 15 seconds left on the play clock. So I think it makes the rule really exciting. And it will be, I know that some teams have kind of struggled with, you know, adjusting to that rule in training camp, but uh, hopefully this will be the time during training camp where they can kind of, you know, work out the kinks and then be ready to, um, you know, go through with a 20 second rule clock, um, you know, when the season starts. They're all practicing uh, the 25-second play clock, and the teams that do it, the practice it the best, will be the ones that will be the most successful uh, in the week one of the XFL. There's no doubt about it, because that's a big change for players. Now, to speed up the play, the next thing that they're doing, they announced is something that's been talked about, and now it's going to be done officially, is all offensive skill position players, which means quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, plus one on-field defensive player will have a headset where the coaches will be feeding them the play live. I'm not sure if this actually takes away the need for a huddle, but I think it might in most cases. I think so, too, because I, I, I think for offensive linemen, the quarterback just has to really give them the signal on whether they're going to run or pass. I think the difficult part is if you call a running play, then it's going to be harder to make those calls you know, at the line of scrimmage and everyone lined up. So that will be interesting to see how coaches are able to adjust that so they can let offensive linemen know, all right, this is the run play we're calling since they are the ones that can't hear what's going on. Now, on passing plays, it's different just because they can just line up and all they got to do is pass protection. So it's more important for the receivers and the backs to know what the play is. But if you're calling a running play, that will make things a little more interesting. So. Um, again, this goes back on the coaches being able to make the adjustments to the rules and try to figure out the best way to go about it. But again, I love that rule as well. I, I think the XFL knocked it out of the park with how they're speeding up the game quicker and giving the players more options to overhear what the plays are going on and less huddle. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's going to be fun to watch that, especially the first game in a month from now to watch how that plays out. And I'm, it'll be it'll be very interesting to uh, to key in on that aspect of the game and uh, see how it goes. Now, the, the next one I want to talk about uh, very probably very quickly is the fact that there'll be only a 10-minute halftime. Yeah, this is just another way to speed up the game. I, I like it as well. Sometimes halftimes can go 15, 20, 25 minutes long, and it could be long and drawn out. I mean, really, you just need those 10 minutes for if you're a fan just to, you know, go to the bathroom, get some quick food, and then come back into the stands. So um, the oh, the only thing that I'm really concerned about is, you know, hopefully it gives the players enough time to, you know, recover and relax for a few minutes. So I think that will be interesting to see how players are able to kind of get up to speed quickly on their health and be ready to go for the second half. But besides that, I think for the fan experience, it's it's going to be a lot better to have that short of a halftime and, you know, get back into um, the second half of the game. I think for the for the especially for the home uh, fan experience, it's going to be great. You know, I'm, I was I was wondering about how that's going to play out for the folks that are actually at the game, because a lot of games I, I've been at, you know, it takes you 10 minutes to to get down to the concession stand and buy some beer or whatever you want to do. Yeah. You might, it might be, they might complain. You might hear complaints about that. It's too short a time. I didn't even have a chance to go to the bathroom kind of thing. Uh, like you might hear some complaints from the in, uh, in-house fans, uh, but I'm not saying that's a good reason to change the rule. I'm just saying that might be what we end up hearing. 
Yeah. And I mean, just just think about this. All these rules, they may not necessarily work. We may watch them, you know, in the first few weeks and be like, oh, maybe that's not as great of a rule. But at least the XFL is taking a chance and trying to be innovative and, you know, trying to figure out ways to make the game better and faster and more exciting for fans. So you got to give them credit for, you know, at least trying it. Who knows if these rules are going to work or not, but it's it's just going to be fun to at least watch and just see, you know, this is an experiment of sorts for the league because they can go back next, you know, this year two and year three and, you know, make the necessary changes. You know, at least they're trying to take that step forward and help make the fan experience better. Yeah, fan experience might actually dictate they actually have a longer half. And jokingly, I thought about the uh, the XFL championship. And if they were going to have some sort of uh, big name performer at halftime, I mean, I, I wonder who performs in under 10 minutes. Yeah, I, I think they're going to need a little more time than that. But I know for the Super Bowl, they usually get about 30 minutes. So, oh, yeah. Um, so I'm sure they could yeah. stretch it out. They could stretch it out at, at the championship just for that special occasion. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so someone like JLO could perform, you know. All right. Now, you already mentioned the word innovative. Can we say that these rules are really, truly innovative? Absolutely. I, I think there are innovative in different ways. I think in one way, it's uh, we've talked about it. Player safety is a number one concern, especially for football in the last five years with all the studies that have been going on with concussions. And I think the XFL has been innovative in the fact that they're protecting their players better. You know, you look at the kickoff and the punts. Um, how they're handling that, I, I think it works into the favors of protecting the players and avoiding um, concussions and CTE issues. So I, I think in that aspect, with player safety, they've been innovative. And I think for you know the fan experience as well, they've been innovative. I know they talked about how they listened to the voice of over 6,000 fans who answered surveys about you know what kind of rule changes they would want, you know what what they're looking for in a game experience if they wanted to be faster or quicker. And I think they've done everything, you know, crossing their T's and dotting their eyes and making sure that they, you know, they let the fans know, hey, we did listen and we're making these rules because we want you to have a better experience with football, make the rules easier to understand and make the games go faster. So I think in every aspect, the XFL, you know, the first time around, they were very innovative in how they built their technology. And I think this time around, I think they've been very innovative on how they constructed their rules because that's what football really needs right now. They need to have simpler, better rules and try to fix what's going on with officiating and making that fan experience better. I think the XFL has taken a huge step and making that process better for fans. Actually, we'll see how innovative those rules are when we, at some point in time in the future, we'll see how many of them the NFL actually adopts or, or looks at adopting. To me, that will be the, the proof that something was truly innovative if, if it actually becomes more mainstream in the future. Now, we haven't talked about all the rules here. I mean, we talked about all the major ones. But if anyone's looking for the XFL rules and they want to see all the rules, we have them at XFLboard.com and you can read all the details for each rule as well. Now, let's move on and let's talk about the Dallas Renegades. The biggest news this past week was the injury to Landry Jones. Now, you wrote an article about that and posted it on XFLboard.com. Now, what do we know about that injury? So from what we understand, you know, he... Is going to be out for about four to six weeks. What What's going to be interesting is to see how long that recovery process takes. I guess at, if you're talking about a silver lining to this, at least it this injury happened in week one and it didn't happen just before the season began. So what I would say about it is I think there's still a chance that he could come back for week one of the 
you know, regular season, or he could miss those couple of games with that knee injury. It's they, you know, medical team said it was four to six weeks. So at most he could miss two, three games, you know, at best he could come back when the regular season starts. So I think that'll be kind of interesting to see how fast Bob Seuss wants to move him up or if they want to be cautious and maybe leave him out a couple games so he can recover for the the back end of the season. But it's kind of interesting now because you only have 10 games in the regular season. So I think it adds a little more urgency to how fast can Landry Jones recover from that knee injury. Yeah, knee injuries can be uh, a tough recovery sometimes, and then sometimes it takes a couple more weeks to get them to the point when they really feel that it's a good idea to come back on the field because they don't want to re-injure the knee, so they have to make sure that it is uh, he's ready to go. Now, they've brought another quarterback into camp. In fact, he did that right away. And they, they, maybe that was an opportunity for them to, to hire uh, this new quarterback. Now, who did they hire? So uh, Eric Dungy was a, you know, he's more well-known for what he did in college. Uh, he, you know, played four years at Syracuse. He played all four years at Syracuse. So he's got plenty of starter experience. He had a really good college career that included, um, I know his junior year was big. I think it was 2016 or 2017. He actually was um, led Syracuse to upsetting Clemson. And I think at the time they were ranked number two or number three in the country. So he's had some big wins under his belt. He's got a lot of of you know playing experience he's got a you know he's he's got a solid arm he's he's got solid accuracy he's a pretty athletic quarterback the only knock on him that you know came out of college was his injuries uh his first three years at college he was knocked out of, of the rest of the regular season all three years and only had one healthy season that was his senior year I, that would be the only concern with him but his play on the field, you know, he's a pretty accurate quarterback. He's got a good arm. I think he'll be a good fit for this offense because he was in that spread offense in Syracuse. So I think he's, you know, he's got enough experience about how to, you know, throw it around. So the air raid offense, I think, fits him well. Now, in terms of he's going to have he's got a lot of work to do, obviously, you know, from Philip Nelson has the advantage because, you know, he's been at camp. So for Eric Dungy, this these, you know, this week and then next week is about learning the playbook and then getting in there and getting some reps. So is there now a, a true quarterback battle in the Renegades training camp? I think right now, no, just because I think, you know, from what I saw with Philip Nelson in minicamp, he's got a really good arm. I mean, he's very accurate with his deep, you know, deep throws. So, you know, he's accurate. I, I think Philip Nelson's got more experience in that type of offense since he ran kind of a spread air raid offense at East Carolina. And, you know, with his experience with working with a, a pass heavy offense with Mike Martz at, with the San Diego fleet. So I still think Philip Nelson's got the advantage, you know, maybe in the next week or two that could start to um, maybe add a little more co uh, controversy to the quarterback position. But I think for now, Philip Nelson's got a good grasp of the offense. You know, he told me when I was at minicamp that he's worked a lot with Landry Jones and, you know, try to get him up to speed with the offense since Landry's had months of experience and knowledge of the offense. So I, I think with his football IQ and just with his arm strength alone, I think Philip Nelson right now might be a better fit. And he is probably the the number one guy that could be starting for this team during week one. But Eric Dungy may make a nice run towards the end. But I would expect Philip Nelson to be the starter if Landry's not ready. Yeah, I, I also feel Philip Nelson will start. And uh, who knows, it may give him a chance to show off his skills. And uh, the uh, Renegades may have a quarterback controversy when uh, Landry Jones is healthy again. If, if Phil Nelson actually does well for them in their, in their first couple of games, Again, I say this a lot, but that'll be fun to watch to see how that goes. 
Yeah, what's been interesting, too, is at training camp, uh, our wide receiver, uh, Gerard Hurd, who was a quarterback at the University of Texas, has also taken some quarterback snaps as well. Just, um, you know, being Philip Nelson's backup. So I don't know if that adds a little more to the quarterback controversy, having another quarterback in the mix. But I think that's kind of I think that should be an interesting tidbit for Renegade fans to think, because if Gerard Hurd ends up making the team, he may end up being either a quarterback or wide receiver, or it could create some um, fun trick plays that they could use with Gerard Hurd. That's exactly what I was thinking about the trick play option. Heard maybe on the bench, but when he when the Renegades put him in on the line, then the the opposing team better watch out for a double pass because that might be the the trick play in the in the playbook. Exactly. Uh, you and I have both been watching the uh, online activity from the Renegades, and we noticed that Jeff Bedett made a stir by showing off customized helmet visors this week. Now, what is that all about? I, I think this is just um, going back to, you know, the first XFL when it came out, Vince McMahon wanted players to be able to, you know, show their character, you know, be almost be like a character in a show and be able to showcase their personalities. And I think this is just another way of doing it. I don't think the I don't think the XFL wants to stray away from that you know concept. So it, it's been really cool to watch what Jeff's been able to put on his visor. And it seems like every day there's always something new. So you never know whether that's, you know, Allen Iverson or some, um, you know, uh, cheesy quotes that he's been able to put on there. But it, it's been really fun to watch. And uh, I'm wondering how many does he actually have and if we're going to see them almost every day during training camp. Yeah, I wonder about that. Uh, I'm wondering how he's getting all these made up. That uh, is there some way to to uh, imprint a, uh, an image on a helmet visor that I was not that I'm not aware of? Or? I I know a lot of players do it, so I'm sure there's somebody out there who does this branding for uh, for football players and their visors. It seems to be something that's really popped up in the last year or two with a lot of players. Mostly I see it with wide receivers having those cool visors and um, having different designs for them. So uh, that's been kind of neat to watch. So I I really enjoy seeing that for the Renegades. And I know it's brought up a lot of national attention from like Bleacher Report and ESPN and Fox. I know they've been posting a lot about it. So that's good publicity for the league. Yeah, it is. Now, I think the league actually went went ahead and said that this – those type of visors would not be incorporated into uh, uh, regular games. I think they went ahead and said that. Is that right? Yeah, I think I heard that too. So I, I don't know if that's just, you know, player safety issues or just, you know, being able to see players' eyes or anything like that. But um, yeah, I think they already made that announcement about that. So this is a fun way for the XFL and the Renegades to show off, to build some excitement during training camp then. Yeah, I think it's already got fans really excited. I know it's been talked about so much this week on social media that it's really all i've been seeing on twitter when it comes down to talking about the xfl besides the rules of course is to you know the different visors that jeff has been able to uh, create and bring to to work every day so it's been really fun and really cool to watch so it's really been a way to uh, incorporate social media twitter and maybe instagram to uh, to show off the league so i kind of like how they're doing that it's kind of cool and they're they're actually quite successful at social media right now. Now, have you been following the new XFL transactions page? I have, and I think it's been fantastic for the league because 
you know, I think fans are really hungry to hear like any kind of news each day on the XFL, whether that be who got cut, who got traded, who got signed, you know, who, you know, which quarterback got assigned where. So I think that's been really good to, you know, check in every day, see what kind of moves have been made and the impact that it's going to make on those teams. I think it adds more to conversations with fans. You know, I think every day we've been seeing a lot of fans, you know, posting about, hey, they made this cut and look at what this team did. So I think that's been really fun to have fans kind of interact with that in the XFL to be basically a news source for fans to check out every day. So um, I love what they did there because I don't believe the Alliance of American Football had something like that themselves. So that's good that the XFL is maybe following in the ways of what the NFL is doing and being the one stop shop to get all your XFL news. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad they did it. It was being asked for or requested, and they actually listened and they did it, which is cool as well that they that they're listening and reacting. Now, uh, the one more thing I want to talk about is something that you've uh, we've talked about this in the past, of course, and it's this speculation that Dallas head coach Bob Stoops will leave the XFL for a position somewhere else, and it seems to be a constant noise. And uh, how do you feel about this? It's expected. I mean, Bob Stoops is one of the most decorated college coaches of all time. So it it, it would be naive to think that he would not be considered for any college jobs or even any NFL jobs that are open. So I think, you know, for Renegade fans, it's something you got to expect. And it's something that, you know, you're going to have to hear about all the time. The talks have been dying down just as the jobs have been, you know, filling up in college in the NFL. So that's been nice. But, you know, for Renegade fans, I think it's safe to say that he's going to continue on at least for this one season. Now, I, what happens in season two for the Renegades, I, I don't know if he's going to stay. I don't know if another job opens up that really attracts him to coming back to college or the NFL. But I, I, I think it's, for now, it's going to be expected. Hopefully it dies down once the season starts and everyone sees him actually coaching this team and, you know, wearing, a, you know, Renegades polo. You know, for fans, it's annoying at times, but at the same time, it's expected. But I would just say that it, I think it's Bob Stoops is definitely going to stay for at least this one year. And then we'll see what happens after that. He's clearly going to stay this one year. You know, I wonder if he's going to stay with the Renegades as long as he has something to prove with the XFL. In other words, he'll stay with the Renegades until he wins. Let's say he wins a championship with the Renegades or something like that. And then I would, because he's not that old uh, 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 in his career, and I really would expect him to take an NFL job after this. But I think he's going to stick with the XFL until he proves himself with this league. Yeah, I think that brings up a good point. I mean, he could he could be looking at possibly getting into the NFL. I, I, I know that's been kind of talked about over the last few years is, you know, is he ready to take that next step to the NFL or does he want to go back to college? I mean, regardless, with any college job that opens, he's always going to be a candidate for. As for the NFL, I, I don't know as much. I think maybe after this season, I'm sure more NFL teams will be like, OK, this guy can coach professional players. Maybe we need to you know, get him on our team. But, you know, in terms of college football, he's going to be a candidate for every job that opens, no matter what happens. Yeah, he's going to be a candidate. But I, I suspect his next career move will be up to the NFL. I just try to think like Bob Stoops, and that's probably what he wants to do next in his life. More challenge, more excitement. You know, part about being part of being the uh, Dallas Renegades head coach uh, was that he had to build this team from scratch. Like at one point in time, he was the only coach. He had to hire all the rest of the coaches and then they had to hire or, or bring in a team. 
You think about that, all that he has invested right now into the Dallas Renegades, he definitely wants to see it through. I'm sure of it. Absolutely. I mean, he definitely wants to see how this first season goes. And then after that point, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, if a lot of those players end up coming back for year two, that may factor into his decision to come back because it seems like he's having a lot of fun. He's actually been very active on social media this week in regards to, I know, I think yesterday he posted or on Friday, he posted with, uh, you know, the defensive backs because they had a, a, it sounds like they had a really good week of, you know, training camp. He's been taking pictures with the quarterbacks and I know Trey flowers got a picture with him. So he's been very active on social media and he really seems to be enjoying himself, you know, from, you know, I don't, I'm sure the job is not as stressful as it was when he was at Oklahoma. So I'm, I'm sure right now he's he seems to be having a fun time coaching these guys yeah good point he's having fun with it as well so uh he's he i think he's locked in with the renegades whether it's certainly for this year but i could see him staying around for a while until he proves that he has recruited the the team or a championship team because i believe that's where he's headed or that's where in his in his career that's what he wants to prove is that he recruited and built a championship team absolutely i agree with that well, it's been great talking with you, Anthony. Uh, I think we've covered everything that we uh, intended to cover. So people can hit you up online on Twitter at uh, antmill40, A-N-T-M-I-L-L-40. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Tweet me anytime. You know, I love talking about the XFL. I love reading all about it. So uh, let's have a conversation. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Thanks again to our guest, Anthony Miller. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. You are welcome to come back next Sunday, where we will have more guests and more XFL. Until next time, this was your host, Mark Nelson, and I hope you enjoyed XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. <laughs> <laughs>